Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Excited today to talk about e-learning and getting under the hood in terms of building courses and learning products. I'm really excited to have Andrew Pass with me today. He's the founder of a company called APASS Educational Services Group, Educational Group. He's the founder of a company called APASS Educational Group. Andy, welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. It's been fun getting to know you over the last couple of weeks where your origins seem to run parallel in a lot of ways to some of the stuff that I experienced earlier in my career. We always like to get, we always like to begin by getting to know our guests. Can you share with us your origin story as a learning professional? Sure. So I graduated from college in 1992. And at the time, I thought that I was going to go to rabbinical school and become a rabbi. And the admissions committee of rabbinical school said to me, take a couple of years off of school, teach at a Jewish day school, grow up a little bit, and come back. And so I moved from New York City, where I graduated from Columbia, and started teaching in Dallas, Texas at a Jewish day school. And I had the Jewish background. I had deep knowledge because I also had a degree from the Jewish Theological Seminary in ancient Jewish law, but I had never taken a teacher education course. And here I am thrown into a group of 20 students and meeting with five different sections a day. Knew nothing. I thought that the best way to do it was the way that my own teachers had done it, standing up in front of the room. And after the first year of teaching, I decided I would get a teaching certificate. And I was just totally turned on. I loved the creativity of it. I loved challenging students. I loved seeing when light bulbs went off in their eyes. It, it totally made the flow in me. Mm-hmm. Think about athletes who have the flow. Yeah, or Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. I like to reference Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi because I have to pronounce Csikszentmihalyi. <laughs> but he's the author of Flow and talked about performance psychology and flow states, which is exactly what happens when you're in the zone. And I completely hear you in terms of when you're teaching at your best. It's very performative, interactive, and you start to feel like it's a flow state. Totally. And then the funny thing is my dad in high school, when I was in high school, asked me, so what do you want to do for your life? And I said, I don't know, go into business. But that's such a nebulous term. Right. What does that mean? Well, after teaching for a few years, I realized that I could go into business in education. Yeah. And started a couple of unsuccessful businesses. And then in October of 2009, mm-hmm. I was actually borrowing money from my parents and substitute teaching. Mm. And a project manager from Pearson Learning Solutions reached out and asked me to work as an instructional designer Yeah, on a couple of courses. Quickly said yes. Yeah. It was real money and a way to support myself instead of to my parents. And realized that if Pearson wanted to work with me, then other organizations would probably work with me as well. And the other thing that I realized is that I absolutely loved 
selling. Mm. Even in graduate school, I always enjoyed looking for assistantships more than I enjoyed doing assistantships. Yeah. So the love of teaching, love of selling enabled me to eventually build this business. Yeah. And as someone who also bore the title of instructional designer earlier in my career, it's nice to be with someone who understands what that's all about. I, however, moved on. You instead went further in. You formed a company of folks who care about education, care about instructional design, are fluent in educational technology. Can you describe a little bit the type of work that your company does? Sure. So one way to understand us is to know about our contractor group. We have 2,400 contractors plus at this point who are writers, editors, subject matter experts, instructional designers, artists, producers, and world language experts who do translation and translocalization work. We'll partner with other organizations to develop customized content, be it academic programs, courses, lesson plans, assessment items, learning objects, textbooks, instructor guides, et cetera, et cetera. And the company is really grounded in three particular values, three specific values, which are to build relationships, build solutions, and build trust. I like to tell people, because it's true, that the content development process is extremely difficult. It's never going to be perfect. And when you have a relationship, and when the goal is building the best solutions, and you've developed trust, you can work together through the difficulties, making the final product as great as it can be. Absolutely. I've been on the right side of that equation on several occasions in my career, and it's a lot of fun building products that learn, that provide value and joy to folks if you do it well. And then also that feeding outcomes that you're trying to pursue is very much something that I did for many years at Kaplan. So I certainly understand the space. And one of the things we talked about in e-learning back in the day, I think folks still say this now, is I'll give you these three things. You pick one, you pick, you pick one, I can't be the other two. I forget, the, I forget how this goes. Roll with me. I'm a brilliant editor, but you, basically I'll give you these three things, fast, cheap, and good. You can't have all three, whichever one you want, I'm going to control the other two. So that's the old adage. However, now some of these new and emerging tools, it seems like speed is becoming easier. I don't know how good it is. But it does seem like ChatGPT and the other generative models are throwing a wrench in the monkey works of content development. Perhaps that wrench can tune the machine and take you to new heights, but it's certainly a time to pause and think about it. What are your thoughts on what's been going on over the last few months, really? It's really just since November when the first version of ChatGPT3 came out, GPT-3, now GPT-4 is out, and Google is entering the space. These new large language models are everywhere. What are some of your initial thoughts on what's been going on? I really think that 
they can be game changers in a variety of different ways. And also, at the same time, they're not as great or as much of a game changer as you might think. What I mean by that is content can now be produced quickly. And that's really powerful. However, the person who enters the prompt for what kind of content needs to be produced still needs to truly understand what the best outcome will look like. That means that when it comes to designing instruction, an instructional designer needs to enter the prompt. Secondly, once the outcome is delivered, it's not going to be of the highest value. I'll give you an example. I recently asked ChatGPT to develop a lesson in which students would learn the difference between commas and periods and involve movements. The idea that ChatGPT came up with was that there would be a poster board on either side of the room. The class would be split up into two teams, could even be theoretically three or four teams, but each team would have postings, post notes to put on the poster board. And the teacher would hold up a sentence and the team would need to decide whether it required a comma or it required a period. Idea. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen in a practical setting within a classroom when you do that. Let's just say that the teams are eight students each. You're going to have two or three students who are controlling the post-it notes and actually deciding what to put on the poster board. You're going to have two or three students who are completely phased out of the activity and having nothing to do with what's going on. And then you're going to have two or three students who are in the middle, being influenced by one group or the other. Yeah. And so there's not anywhere near as much student engagement as there could be. A great instructional designer would easily be able to see that and ask, how else could there be movement? Right. If you're a first-year teacher, you're not going to know Right. that kind of a problem is going to occur. So it really requires expertise, which yeah. is why, because of the speed, I say that it's really powerful and cutting edge. But because of the quality, there needs to be a symbiosis hmm. between the instructional designer and the machine. Yeah, I like that. You had me at symbi symbiosis and, and symbiosis between the instructional designer and the machine starts to sound a little bit like a robo teacher or some sort of cyborg AI connection, which is really where we are. I'm a fan of science fiction. I'm a fan of looking ahead. You, in fact, recommended AI 2041 to me, which I just started. So be on the lookout for us to break down that book down the road. Also, if you're interested, it sounds like it's a good read or listen. But the idea that the classroom of the future is going to be radically transformed, I think that's one element to it. The other is that the actual process of designing for that classroom is changing. To your point, why ask for one 
lesson plan when you could ask for 20 and why not give a little more structure to the prompt so that the 20 that you get are going to be much better so that you don't have to go back and ask for it a second time. And then if 20 is too much because it takes too long to curate, maybe there's another way to do the craft prompting, prompt crafting or prompt engineering, the new skill that you're describing where I think instructional designers will have some natural propensity for it, but also there's just good creativity and critical thinking and problem solving involved in upskilling around craft prompting and craft engineering. What do you think about that? How much of this can be taught and how much of it is going to need to be continually continually relearned as new versions of AI and new models of interaction emerge? I think I'd say John Dewey described teaching as part science and part art. And I've always liked thinking about that as the science is the structure. The art is what exists within the structure. I think that technology will be able to get better and better at curating content that exists out there. Perhaps one day you'll even have technology like AI, for example, that curates up to the moment Mm. content and learns by itself instead of having to end at a certain point when it was taught. So for example, if you were to enter something in Chad GPT right now about the stock market price right this second, you're not going to get anything because it doesn't yet have it. There'll be a point in time, I think, when it does know up to the moment, but there's that structure, in my opinion. But there's also something about art. And AI is not in and of itself creative. It's the educator or the instructional designer that needs to be creative. And I really hope, because I'm afraid, of like, where are these jobs going to go? Yeah, What's going to happen to humanity? Right. But AI never becomes creative because that's something that makes humanity humanity. Right. And so people are going to need to continue to add that. And I also want to take issue with one other thing. One other thing that you said, that the classroom was actually going to become different. I'm not sure that I agree. Hmm. And the reason that I'm not sure that I agree is because if you look at the typical classroom today, it's not a whole lot different than the classroom of the 1950s. Yep. Teachers often still front and center. A lot of the kids are still zoned out. Yeah. And while there are computers in the classroom and there is technology, by and large, it's still the same that it was. Yeah, it's same buildings, same architecture, same kind of root mental model of what a K-12 education is. I agree with you. I think technology will start to influence it. But the space that I think is more disrupted is more the consumer experiences 
that we all live in. And that's more something that an instructional designer might think about, but this is where virtual reality and more engaging media experiences, learning experiences, TikTok or its equivalent will continue to get more and more compelling and or addictive and or gamified and social and all those other things. Building learning products into that context is really maybe the virtual classroom or the, the learning experience, the learning experiences that can be designed by folks like yourself. That's the space that I think will really be transformed along with all the other sort of leisure experience, digital media leisure experiences. And then I think somehow that's going to begin to permeate back into the classroom or not. You know, it's a good question. You know, are, will we start to put the smartphones in the lockbox and keep the VR glasses off when we're in class because we're physically present with other people? And that's the intent of that experience. I'm not sure. I think it's a good, it's a good pushback. You know, Mike, about 10 years ago, I knew a young man very well who struggled in school. Yet he was very smart. Dropped out of school and eventually got his GED. And I would always say to his mother, if he was 10 years younger, he would thrive in school because we're going to take all of these technological advances and incorporate them into the classroom. And this young man loved video games. He would play them all the time. I would say much of learning is going to look like a video game. Yeah. Well, that was 10 years ago. Right. And I hesitate to say, but I think it's true, that not a whole lot has changed. This young man would still struggle. And I do think you're right. That, or I guess I should say, I hope you're right. That soon enough, these changes that are taking place outside the classroom will begin to impact inside the classroom. And instead of worrying about plagiarism with something like ChatGPT, we worry about how to use it most effectively. Yeah. And I think that relates to the mindsets that are needed for the future of work because and the skill sets. But I think frequently when we get to skills, which is a really important area to focus on, we tend to get a little more granular and perhaps lose the forest for the trees. Skills can be disrupted. And the way we engage with AI today is likely vastly different than the way we'll engage with it in five years, 10 years. It's, it's really changing at a rapid rate. But I think the question is, how do we establish the mindsets that will make the most sense for the future of work? This is where I think about things like a growth mindset, a learning identity, grit, a lot of the social emotional components. As Whitney Houston used to say, I get social emotional baby. I haven't done that in a while. You're welcome. But the other area, the other notion that I've heard is the four C's. Critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, and <clears throat> I've heard of it as the three C's. I think there's four. Communication. There you go. Hang on. I got it. The four C's, critical thinking, creativity, communication, and collaboration. How do we teach those things and how do we connect that to what's changing in terms of the baselines of 
professional life, you know, working from home, working in virtual environments, thinking differently about your job and career prospects. What are your thoughts about that? I always like to get guests' perspective on the future of work. How are you envisioning some of these changes to unfold? What you really just said to me is recognizing the power of the individual. Because it's the human that can be creative, that can think critically, that can effectively collaborate, and that can communicate. That those are four foundational human skills. And from an early age, when children learn to do those things well, everything else can fit within it. So for example, ChatGPT was not created by one person. It was created by a team that had multiple investors involved with it as well. All four of those foundational skills went into the creation of ChatGPT. Let's just pretend for a moment that one day we have a hologram. Not going to be created by one person sitting alone. It's also not going to be created by a... AI machine, it's going to be created by a group of people. And so those four things, those four skills are essential from the cradle to the grave, and they should continuously become stronger and stronger within each individual. And I would argue that is what it means to learn mm. from cradle to grave. Yeah. Because there's argument as to whether or not you need to remember names and dates now, right. especially when you can just go to Google. You certainly need to know how to fulfill or how to implement those four skills. Right. Right. It's interesting to also think two thoughts come to mind. One is there's probably a fifth component to what it is to be human, which is, I guess, related to collaboration and being in community is a sense of shared experience, which the AI will never have. It will never be the whole, you know, when you're in any sort of social context, something weird happens and you make eye contact with someone and you both recognize without saying anything else, that was weird, right? <laughs> you know, so there is this element of shared experience, shared understanding of our humanity that I think is also this wider awakening. And I think you're touching on a lot of this as well in that, Without the human component, what are we? But I think the other notion that comes to mind is the symbiosis you were talking about at the top, where the human, even just one human paired with this generative AI, is in some sense Robocop with the big technical suit on. Suddenly you are performance enhanced. As a baseball fan, it's suddenly the steroids era. The human has new powers in that when i think about the future of work i think about what would that supercharged robo instructional designer be able to do i don't know if you have any thoughts i know we're getting close to time lots to talk about here's what i would say mike ultimately ai is not a whole lot different than the wheel what its purpose is to help people 
fulfill their objectives. Therefore, that symbiotic relationship is only for the purpose of achieving human objectives. What do we want to do as a society? The answer to that question are the objectives that we want to achieve. And people working with machines are how to get there. Mm. But it's the people who determine what we want to do as society. Much the same way as in the classroom, it's the learning objective that matters. And it's the machines and people working together that enable the learners to fulfill those learning objectives. Yeah, it makes sense. And we're getting close to time. We haven't got deep on VR or some of the new and emerging technologies. I think that was something you were mentioning before. Are there any other points you want to make sure that our audience hears from you before we conclude? And then we could probably get some concluding thoughts. Are there any other spaces or topics you want to make sure that we hit on before we wrap up? I guess I would just say to remember that the technology is developed for the support of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in this symbiosis, there is one side of that relationship that is more important and the technology needs to be designed in response to the humanity and not the other way around. I think the related point, though, is that if you don't plug into the matrix right now, if you take the wrong pill, there is a risk that you could wind up on the wrong side of an emerging skills economy. So roll up your sleeves, lean in, be looking to folks like Andy Pass and his company when you're trying to figure out how to navigate rapidly changing times. Andy, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thank you, Mike. I enjoyed being here. And for our listeners, if you like what you heard, please subscribe, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. <music>